Hey, it's Jamison Fink with another episode of Wine Without Worry. And Wine Without Worry is brought to you by Wente Vineyards, America's oldest family-owned winery and California's first family of Chardonnay. Visit them online at wentevineyards.com. And how did you learn about wine? That's a question people ask me a lot. How did you get into wine? How did you start learning about wine? And it was a lot of, uh, here's a book, here's a country, France, and... Um, uh, uh, Bordeaux. On the left bank of Bordeaux, they mostly grow Cabernet. On the right bank, they mostly grow Merlot, and, and so on and so forth. And, and that's how I started learning about wine. It was by like country, and then region, and then you drill down, and it was about grape. And uh, I did learn a lot that way, and it was uh, instructive and informative, but I think there's lots of uh, more exciting new ways to learn about wine that are also less intimidating than memorizing the left bank and right bank and the satellites of each uh, appellation within Bordeaux and it's, it gets crazy. So um, we're going to talk about learning about wine in a different way that's more user-friendly and that's why I have my guest Madeline Puckett. She is the creator of the I'm going to call it wildly popular, uh, Wine Folly site at winefolly.com. And I should mention that this is a pretty exciting episode of the show because we're sitting on a picnic table in a Seattle backyard at uh, Wine Folly Worldwide headquarters. And there's <laughs> birds chirping and uh, we're drinking rosé, so it's pretty awesome. And, and the lawn hasn't been mowed in several months. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's uh, rustic. Yes, it's part of the farm feel. Yeah, yeah, it's like a like a farm to table <laughs> type of outdoor wine drinking experience in an urban environment. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And Madeline, how do we break out of the learning about wine in the by geography and grape and what do you think is a better way? Well, it's a really tough question that I, I should have seems, started off with an easier question. It seems really easy actually when you when you like step back and you look at it. But I, I'd been asking myself this question for years, and I started building these infographics to help people get into wine. And then I started, just by the nature of a visual data, data visualization, I guess you could call that, that's what's an infographic, is like putting wine into categories. And so instead of calling it Cabernet, I couldn't really do that. We were talking about left bank, so right. I was like, oh, yeah. Cabernet. Um, the 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 easiest way was to go by style you know because there's over what 1368 different i don't really know is i think that's the right I, that sounds convincing to me it's types of maybe, grapes yeah types of types of grapes yeah. types of grapes yeah. and not included blends and t different styles like champagne which might be made with the same grape like pinot noir so so I just went by category. And when you start looking at wine by category, you can focus more on the flavors that are associated with each category. Yeah, and when we talk about categories, what we're getting at here is, I mean, a big influence on me would be reading a book by Catherine Cole called Complete Wine Selector, which have we have right here. here. And also, uh, here. along those lines, a podcast, or a pod uh, your latest post, which is about nine primary wine styles, and talking about wines like I like full-bodied reds, I like refreshing whites, I like this style of wine, this category. Because I think people are comfortable saying like, I like like loads of fruit, I like something really fruity and like, like I like something that punches me in the face. So I think for, for me that's a really interesting way to learn about wine without, you, you, you just decide what you like flavor-wise and style-wise and then you can kind of see what falls uh, into that bucket. Yeah, and I think that actually sommeliers 
already do this in practice when they walk up to the table and they're like, do you want red, white, or rosé? Did you want something more fruity or more dry? You know, they kind of go through that process. So when I created these categories, it was based on this sort of set of questions that I was already asking at the restaurant Mm -hmm. and already sort of doing without thinking about it. I was already doing it. So then we go into the categories and... Yeah, let's go over them. So it's, uh, I'm just full red wines, medium red wines, light red wines, rosé, rich white wines, zesty white wines, (laughs) sweet white wines, dessert wines, and sparkling wines. I probably have to say wines every time. I, I wanted to call it zippy, but I feel uh, like that's your word. Yeah, I I don't I haven't trademarked it and I can't, but uh, zippy would be good. Zippy is definitely, that is your word for zesty white wine. And, so and just think that every yeah, single time I write z- zesty, I'm actually thinking I wish I wrote zippy. Yeah, you feel free to use zippy. <laughs> so, okay, so we, so we, so we organized everything by style and then we started looking at, because when you get into wine, you start drinking more red wine. I think at first when you, you start drinking, it's just something yeah. that people kind of gravitate towards. They, they get into the reds. They start figuring out the reds. And, you know, people are always like, oh, you should try Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. Oh, you should try Zinfandel or whatever it is. Right. But you're going... I don't know what that is. Well, I don't, or you Why? should try Bordeaux. Like, yeah, I, I, don't, I really don't know what that is. Yeah, and should, like... You're freaking me out. Exactly. So I'm just I would just nod my head and be like, "Yeah, that sounds great. I don't know what that means." Everybody's like, "You should do this and you should do that." And you're yeah. like, "Well, how much is that cost? Is it under $20?" Yeah. <laughs> I don't like when I don't like when people say you need to do this or you need to do that. Mm-hmm. It gets my hackles up. I remember asking a a friend of mine, "Hi, I'm really trying to get into Burgundy. What should I try?" Cuz Burgundy makes this delicious Pinot Noirs. He's like, "Oh, you could always try DRC." And this is this wine that's Costs, I think, like twenty three hundred dollars yeah, a bottle. Yeah, Domain Romani Conti. The, the <laughs> cool kids call it uh, DRC. <laughs> DRC. Yeah. Why don't you try DRC? So, the well, idea of, of why going, don't you buy me DRC? Yeah, that's what I should. Why don't you said. tell me what DRC means, and then why don't you buy it for me? That would, <laughs> that would be that would be my first two questions, and then watch them run away. Exactly. Then they'll back away slowly yeah, yeah. and nod. Yeah, and take their DRC with them. <laughs> So we, uh, so we focused on, on these, these styles and what I was, what I was finding was that medium reds and bold reds are really close together and there's kind of, it's kind of hard to differentiate between, hey, is this a bold red wine or is this a medium red wine? Yeah, for me a bold red wine, so if someone's like, I like something bold, I mean you have some examples, um, you know, of course, I mean Cabernet comes to mind. Um, but then you have something like, um, I think that's really interesting, is, is Monastrel, and that's, um, that's what the Spanish call the Muvedra grape. And if you're looking for like full throttle, rich uh, reds at a great price, I love Monastrel. Yeah, Spanish it's like Monastrel. 12 bucks. And yeah, ugh. you can get some stuff for like 10 bucks, but Happy really, I mean, and, even, and that's the nice thing, if you're like, if someone's like, I like Cabernet, and then, you know, like I don't automatically assume like, if they tell me they like Cabernet, then I must deliver Cabernet. So what you think about, well, uh, wines like, um, like uh, Monastrel or another grape from Central Italy, Aglianico, or uh, Tempranillo or things like that, or definitely Sagrantino. So once you kind of uh, get to know like, a, like what is a full-bodied rich red wine grape, and then you can you know, sort of explore from there and be like, well, I don't see any Cabernet on this list, but I bet I'd like, I'd, I bet I'd like that. 
Yeah. And then, of course, like, I have to asterisk everything so we don't get uh, hated on. But, you know, there are many different styles of Cabernet, of course. There are many different styles. I know. I tried a Syrah from San Ynez that looked and tasted kind of like Pinot. Uh Uh-huh. It blew my mind. Yeah. Well, usually there are a lot of Pinots that are the opposite, that are like Syrah. (laughs) That's true, especially from down there. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's probably refreshing. But uh, yeah, so these are general guidelines, but I think it's a way to get people comfortable talking about uh, grapes and wines and learning about them and hearing about them. If someone's just like uh, Nero de Avila and they're like, I, I don't know what that is. And then, you know, someone can put it in the framework of like, well, if you like bold, rich reds, this is a wine for you. Yeah. That's how I look at it. Yeah. So then, so then we start thinking like, okay, zippy whites, zesty white wines. Mm-hmm. Those are my, that's what I have, those are my house wines. I mean, I always have, um, and I've said this before, the Chilean Sauvignon Blanc is like my go-to jam for like something that's inexpensive and tasty and zesty and zippy. That is a great wine. That is a ter- terrific wine. I, what did I have recently? I was just drinking some cheap Washington Sauvignon Blanc recently. I was very happy with that, like $8 a bottle. Yeah, there's not a lot of Sauvignon Blanc I've had that I don't like. Um, it's kind of like a go-to for, because I mean, the profile of it is that, zesty type of thing of course you know there are some people who get crazy with the sauvignon blanc and you know put a lot of oak on it or do this and that but but generally speaking you know some sauvignon blanc when it gets oaked it gets this kind of popcorn taste and you're like mmm buttered popcorn this is delicious i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna hate on the oak sauvignon blanc i won't I hate like, on it either i've i've enjoyed them i like me some buttered popcorn well the thing about um oh we have a is that a crow that crow is making making waves. That crow waves. is doing something over there. It's <laughs> kind of sinister. Crows are really smart too. Nature. This crow could probably explain oh different types goodness. of wines. Oh my god! I just flew over our head. <laughs> this will be the first and last outdoor uh, podcast. I didn't even know it'd be so fraught with danger <laughs> and excitement. My heart's racing a little. But uh, oak Sauvignon Blanc. So, uh, well, the one thing I do will say about Sauvignon Blanc is it's such. Um, uh, a lively and it can be like an aggressive grape like like super citrusy and like mm-hmm. tons of acidity sometimes when you put a little oak on it i feel like it sort of softens those those sharp edges so for people who don't like like super aggressive like in your face high acidic uh, white wines that um you know like like sauvignon blanc if you find one with a little oak in it that might chill it out a bit the kind you. that that take the enamel off of your teeth Right, yeah, the ones that make your gums bleed. In a good way, of course. Not the bad gum bleeding way. No, I only like good gum bleeding yeah, ones. Yeah, ones that, yeah. The ones that can only come from uh, lively white wines. So if you love Sauvignon Blanc and you're used to ordering Sauvignon Blanc, maybe you hadn't had a Vino Verde, or maybe you haven't tried an Albarino from Spain, or a Gruner Vetliner from yeah. Austria... These are some similar grapes, or I mean Pinot Grigio, for yeah. example. Yeah, those are great. Uh, so in the zesty category, those are great things. Like if you like Sauvignon Blanc and you're freaking out because you're at a uh, Austrian restaurant and they don't have a Sauvignon Blanc, uh, look, try a Gruner Veltliner, or try uh, something from Spain like Albarino, or uh, or uh, if you're going to have Chardonnay, something unoaked uh, will give you that kind of light and lively pleasure. So there's definitely. Um, a uh, a world of you know if you like if you like if you like zesty white wines and it's not just about Sauvignon Blanc there's so many other things out there for you to try like the grapes I just mentioned yeah it's it's, it's interesting because now that you have these nine categories you can kind of systematically go through them 
as sort of a checklist. Like, oh, this is suddenly there's only nine bottles you need to buy to sort of taste the rainbow. Yeah, um, a taste the rainbow is an excellent uh, way to put it. I'm, I'm sorry that Skittles is already taken. <laughs> <laughs> it's trademarked. They're sending yeah, their letter yeah, of bastards. intent over to me right yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> better. Speaking of zesty, can you pour me some of that? Yeah. So, um, so uh, the the good folks at uh, Bellwether Wines in the Finger Lakes of New York um, sent me a bunch of wines. So we're drinking their, um, we, tr- we started off with their rosé, their 2013 dry rosé of Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. And then we also have a little uh, Riesling. I've not had this wine before. Um, so this is going to be like a live first sip for me. I did really like the rosé. It's really light and refreshing. Wow. And like, it's made for, we're on a picnic table for crying out loud. We should be drinking wines like this. It's nice. It's very uh, refreshing. It's very perfumed nose. It almost has this like rose perfume thing yeah, about it. Yeah, it does. It is rosy. I'm thinking of those little rose pastille candies, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whoa. A little bit of sweetness. Yeah. just Party. A, just a kiss. So that's interesting with Riesling is um, now with Riesling, we could call it uh, a zesty white wine mm-hmm. or we could call it a sweet wine. But I think the thing about Riesling that people might want to automatically put it in that sweet category, but even though it's got some sweetness, it's got great acidity, which kind of mitigates that. So it drinks mm-hmm. drier than you'd think. Like there are some Chardonnays I've had that taste sweeter than this. You know, I we need to set this to rest because I've been asked this a lot about sweet wines. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who are health conscious are trying to avoid sweet wines because they have more sugar in them. Oh. And uh, after doing the research, you look at something, this wine that we're drinking right now, I'm guessing 12? Up, maybe up to 12 grams of residual sugar? Uh, it's that, uh, actually, it's, it's, um, is it less it's on than here. That? No, it's way less than that. It's, it's 3.7. See, it's got t- nothing. Yeah. So 3.7 equates to about yeah, what is that? Six or to? seven calories. And when you think about the alcohol level, how, how much uh, alcohol? Nine and a half percent. Yeah, it's so nothing. This alcohol. is like 100 calories a glass. Yeah, it's great. This is like a we low also have, cal wine. Right we, have, we have a giant glass, by the way. So it might be more than 100 calories. Well, you know. It's judiciously filled, though, of course. Better to smell you with, my friend. <laughs> um, this, uh, so the Riesling, I always go back to Riesling as a great option for people who are looking for that, like, low-calorie, carb-conscious wine because, you know, we like something a little sweet. And it's okay to have a sweet. It's not sweetened from sugar. It's sweetened from the grapes. Right. So you're just tasting wine. That's all you're doing. Right. It's not like someone, like, made a wine and then dumped, like, a ton of sugar in it. No, not at it's all. It's not like a and it tastes- soda. And it's interesting because we're both thinking here, it's on our palate, and we're thinking, mmm, this tastes a little sweet. I have sweetness in my mouth. But when you think three grams of a liter per residual sugar, compare that to Coke, which is like 113, 113. Right. This is nothing. Yeah, and I drink still less have Coke, that... more wine. Yeah, cheers to that. Um, yes, we can cheers. Um, so have you done something like that on winefolly.com where we can see uh, like how much calories or sugar in wine compared to uh, other popular beverages? Um, you know, I have in the, I haven't actually done that. I did that with other alcoholic beverages. Oh, right. But I did do on this poster we made called the Basic Wine Guide. Mm-hmm. We, we sort of broke down all the major styles and included calorie counts uh-huh. on the, 
Because I brought it out right. here, so we're looking at it. You guys can't, you can go on, see it on Wine Folly. Yeah, go to winefolly.com. It's just called Basic Wine Guide. And so, like, oh, the proper glass that you might use, we're totally using an improper glass right now, aren't we? Uh, I, I think, I, I mean, I would drink out of a jelly jar right now. <laughs> we're That's drinking my... out of, like, a globe. It's gigantic. Yeah, it's a gigantic globe. It's comical. <laughs> but we're drinking this, like, delicate Riesling out of a gigantic globe. It's, it tastes fine. Yeah, it's great. sorry, Bellwether. I'm sure they're just happy we're enjoying their wines <laughs> outdoors. This is how they would want it to be. I think this is true. Um, but, you know, I think the, I was, um, I was in line at the, at the bar at, uh, Childish Gambino, the show. This is this rap artist. He's real amazing. Childish Gambino? Yeah. Do you know who it is? No, I just, I've never heard Childish oh, Gambino. That's a kind of a juxtaposition of, I never would think I heard Childish in front of Gambino. So this is this, this rap. Donald Glover is the guy from Community, the black guy. Well, actually he's an amazing rap artist. Uh-huh. I'm at the show. Doesn't matter. Yeah. This is the scene that I'm in and I'm trying to go and get some, you know, probably vapid white wine before the show and I stand in line and I'm and all these guys are talking about what they're gonna get and how long it's gonna take them to drink the beer and I turn and I'm like you know Sauvignon Blanc is dry it's very effective it's low calorie it'll keep you up all night and you know what you can drink it quicker than a glass of wine a glass of beer well and also it's less liquid so the worst thing is when you're at a show and you have to go to the bathroom and maybe mm-hmm. you've got a really great spot Oh, and you're man. like, you're like, either like my bladder explodes or I give up my awesome spot. These, like there were no spots. Yeah, yeah, it was totally full up. Yeah, that's, I think that's an untapped wine market. You know, like the sort of the Effective state. light white wines. Right. Z- right. Zippy white wines. Yeah. And instead <laughs> of uh, a beer sloshes around a lot in the crowd, maybe you've got like a, a plastic cup of wine mm-hmm. with a little more room. Mm-hmm. To, and it's smaller so you can maneuver through tighter spaces easier. Yeah, I think it's the wine is the future. You know, young people just have to adopt it. And, and, and someone contacted me recently with, he's like, we're going to be selling them at all the major wine shows and that stuff. It's this new canned white wine. Oh. Beautiful label. I mean, well, beautiful can design, rather. <laughs> <laughs> is it, is it, um, I think I've seen these. Is it, is it the company from Oregon? Mm-mm. Another one. I think they saw the Underwood wines, what we're talking about, the can from Oregon. Uh, and they're just... I can't even remember what they're called, but they're excited. They're jumping on that bandwagon. I think wine in a can is going to be normal. I'm yeah. I'm, I've, I think well, it's just like uh, I would buy a six pack. It's just like craft when I call it. I shouldn't say craft beer anymore. It's just such a annoying thing to say. Um, <laughs> when good beer started becoming coming in a uh, a can versus a bottle, like there are a lot of um, uh, great breweries canning their beer and. Uh, I mean, I like it because it's lighter weight because, like, I'm a single dude and I have, like, my frozen pizza and I can beer and I can get home really quickly without lugging around bottles. You seriously have frozen pizza? Do you you ever Uh, upgrade to the fresh? Do you make the, like, get the dough and flatten it out? I I have not done that. I go out for my fine pizza, but uh, at home I'll, uh, um... I will indulge in a frozen pizza. You know, during the day when you're trying to get work done, sometimes frozen pizza is the way to go. Yeah. And you don't look like you have any pizza issues at all. You should be on a pizza diet. I I would be gladly be on a pizza diet. <laughs> Besides burritos slash tacos, pizza is my favorite thing. Mm. What's your um? What kind of uh? What kind of toppings do you like on your pizza? You don't eat meat, do you? I don't. So I, what's oh, your favorite okay. pizza? Um, my favorite pizza in the entire world is actually at A16 in San Francisco. Well, It's called the Fungi Pizza. It's like, I don't know how many different types of mushrooms. I was also very drunk, but uh-huh. it was delicious. You were on mushrooms? 
No, I was drunk on wine. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I was drinking mushrooms. I was eating pizza. mushrooms. It wasn't actually. Yeah, it was in a, it was a regular restaurant. Right. No. So what? Um. So with your mushroom pizza, what's your favorite wine? Oh, what, that's so a great What question. type of wine do you like? You know, you know, if I go by the standard logic of food and wine pairing, if we're talking mushrooms, we've got a lot of umami going on. We've got, and I think that's what vegetarians often miss, and that's probably why I love yeah. mushrooms so much. Yeah, absolutely. Is because you have to have something with umami. You gotta you gotta fill that that hole, and so this like very umami driven cream. You know, it's flavored. I would probably be looking at something like a Pinot Noir or something lighter, lighter, mm-hmm. light red wine mm-hmm. category. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's a Cinso. Yeah. You know, so if we go back to the whole light red wine thing, what's what's a light red wine? Well, yeah, it could be Pinot Noir. Or also, I like a, yeah, Beaujolais would be good. Or I like a, I, I, I put Cote de Rhone's in that category. Like, I mean, they, yeah, there's some fancy pants ones, but some of the, like the sort of like good 10 to $15 ones. You're just like, and they're bistro wines. I mean, yeah. They're the ultimate, like, yeah. you know. Like, you're like, is this rosé? Oh, no, yeah. it's red wine. Okay. And I like, uh, I think they're really food-friendly wines too. So, yeah, I mean, you can do, a, I think, a, a lighter style red or something that's a little kind of earthy, like Pinot Noir with mushrooms. Mm. Really just, I mean. I just like. Uh, and does it have a cream sauce or a tomato sauce? You know, it. It it's not about the sauce. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's about the mushrooms. It's about the mushrooms. I can't remember the sauce. I don't even know. I couldn't I couldn't verify it's not a cream sauce. I know yeah. that much, mm. but I don't remember the flavor of the tomato sauce. I yeah. all I remember is the flavor of the mushrooms. I'll follow up the restaurant. We'll have them ship us a couple. Oh, Frozen. God. And then I can have my bachelor chat. It's my favorite pizza in the world. It's I could have been drunk and I don't remember properly, but I will go back there and try that pizza again to verify. And I will I will, I will go back the next time in San Francisco. Well, I haven't been. So good. But I would uh like and well my favorite um well, pizza so it's hard. That's yeah. What's thing. your it's hard favorite to topping? We need to talk about uh, that. I like uh, sausage and mushroom. That's see, that's favorite. umami. You're yeah, driven with yeah. umami. With but, sausage, though, what would wine would you pair with uh, that? My favorite pizza wine is I like a dry Lambrusco, like a fizzy, fun wine that you drink in a tumbler out of a tumbler. To me, yeah. that's really pizza friendly. Yeah. What? Uh, speaking now, we're going to the glassware category. You're drinking wine out of a tumbler. What wines can you get away with without a fancy glass? What wines just communicate no I'm not matter a big, what? I'm not a big fancy. Well, I would say uh, rosé. I just think anything. I, I just like, like, especially when you're outside. I mean, we're very responsible and people who are well-coordinated. But, you know, you're outside on a table. You've got something with a stem. It's really easy mm-hmm. to knock over. Yeah, it is. People are, you know, gesticulating and plates of food are coming around. People are getting, moving up and down. So that's why I like something that doesn't have a a stem on it, just a flat base. Do you ever just use a cup or a mug or anything like that? Or are you still kind of, you like a tumbler? I like a glass, I mean, I like what I call a jelly jar, that kind of thing. Or yeah. like the stemless, you know, uh, glassware. I use that a lot too. But I don't know, something about, I don't know, maybe I'm making a statement too that like people see you drinking out of, it's like drinking beer out of a mason jar, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Drink I think wine, when, pe- I think when people whatever. see you drinking it out of a low-key vessel like when you see you drinking out something that used to be like a jar of smucker's jelly that you have of course washed thoroughly and, and dried and cleaned and hopefully it doesn't smell like right that right wow this really smells like raspberry uh, jam smucker's i believe and people are like wow you're a savant but uh i just think that when people see you drinking wine in that way that it mellows people out about like like yeah you can be at a backyard barbecue you can be sitting on a picnic table like we are now and you can drink wine out of that kind of a yeah. vessel so I, I don't get really hung up about it Yes. I mean, I have some fancy pants glasses at home, and I I don't use them that often. I use mine for water, actually. Yeah. Like, I love to drink water out of this glass mm-hmm. we have right here. 
I just fill it almost all the way up with water and that's my allotment for the first three hours of work during the day and uh -huh. if I don't finish it then I'm a bad person like uh -huh. this these guys I use for everything and I don't take them too seriously but you know on the on the flip side I was doing a photo shoot last week of rosé and I was uh -huh. like you know what it's out on a picnic table I need, I think we were on this picnic yeah. table actually and I needed I had the mason jar I literally had that right. I had the cup I had the I was pouring into the cup it looked great and I took one sip out of it in the cup and I was like this tastes like crap uh-huh and maybe it was because I've grown accustomed to a wine glass but it had no aromatics I couldn't collect the aromas. I couldn't smell it. Mm -hmm. Like I ended up doing this thing where I'm cupping it, kind of yeah. like they do at Starbucks when yeah, you're yeah, doing the coffee. cupping. Yeah. And I'm just like trying to collect the aromas, and then I'm thinking, why well, just put it pour it in a regular wine glass yeah. and stop playing around? Well, I also think there are, um, you know, wines that are meant to. Be, there are wines, I and mean, there's a time to like swirl and sniff, and then there's the time to just, you know, drink and not. The show at the Paramount was a perfect right, example. Right, you, Yeah, you do not need, like, a Riedel uh, stem. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> it would be dangerous for you to have one as well. That would, yeah, uh, it would have, have been They would great. not allow glass. That Yeah, the, the little cup they gave me was perfect. Yeah, yeah. We shared it, and we, like, sh basically, I, we didn't shoot it per se, but we did you drank effectively it with, uh, drink. Zest. Yeah, <laughs> zippy. Yeah, we with, zipped it. You zipped it zestfully. <laughs> Um, I also want to talk about, so we're looking at one of your posters and you've become really well known for your graphic design talent and you've got posters all over the world and um, so when you, like if let's say you're at a, if I put you in a wine shop and there are all these wines and you knew nothing about them and I, I took away your wine knowledge, um, how much are you impacted by a label on a wine? Like will you... Will you pick up something just because of the label? Oh. Or do you like old school? Uh, do you appreciate old school like chateau so-and-so type of things with the chateau and the script? Oh, I, you know, it was my, I, if you take away everything I knew about wine before that, Which I, I was, would never want to do. Well, before that, I was still a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. So I was very, yeah. very interested in graphic design. Yeah. And the Spanish have some of the best wine labels I've uh -huh. seen in the world. So I naturally gravitated towards Spanish wines. Monastrell would be uh -huh. a great example yeah. of one of the wines that I found early on where I was like, this is amazing. Or Garnacha, Garnacha, because yeah. of the great labels they have. You should look at, so on my blog, jamesonfink.com, I did this thing where I had five graphic designers critique a wine label, and Ooh. it was uh, yeah, Castaño Monastrell. So um, I should have you in on a round two of that. Oh, but yeah. that was really interesting to see um, uh, what people picked out, what people focus on, whose job is to do that. It was really instructive. In fact, that winery should probably like give me some consideration for all the R&D I did for them. <laughs> I'm just happy that they make it just inexpensive. Send a few, inexpensive. Just send a few bottles. Inexpensive, tasty Monastrell. I'll give them a shot. It's Castaño Monastrell. That's been one of my go-to red wines for Oh, great design. For years. Yeah, yeah. the end with the, with the, like I can the visualize their the logo. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah it's, the... uh, it's a really nice wine. But um, do, you, do you feel like that, that's the way like, graphic design is going in the wine world, that it's just going to be more things that are visually appealing and less that sort of traditional chateau so-and-so type of thing? You know, I think every year new people get into wine, and everyone has their own preference, and some people are more traditionalist. Everything, it's all going to go to what market do you want to appeal to? It comes mm -hmm. down to, I hate to say this, but just basic marketing demographics. They're looking at, hey, we want to fill this, like if you really 
do it well, if you really make a wine label to try to sell wine, you can really go in and think about who you want to sell to and how the taste is going to affect them and what type of label they would prefer to look at. Because honestly, that's what sells the wine. After you decide what price you want to spend and you find the one that looks like it's half off, mm -hmm. after you did yeah. do that work, yeah. which, is, which is a lie, by the way, then you look at the label and then you're deciding between two wines. Well, I don't know wine A or wine B. Yeah. Well, wine B's got a butterfly on it. I'm yeah. going to get it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've made decisions like that, too. Yeah. And uh, it would be really interesting to see if you could... I wonder if wineries, they should experiment with, like, sending the same wine with two different labels into different markets and different uh, uh, cities and I see I bet that that's been done. Yeah, I know that like that's, that's done... I think that's done nat internationally when mm -hmm. you have a... a that's true. They'll make a label for, like, the American market or whatnot. Yeah, I, d I wrote a review on this winery in Rioja that did that. They had their national, their one that's in Spain, and they had their one sent to the U.S. And the U.S. one was way more traditional. Mm -hmm. hmm. Interesting. I would think it would be... Uh, well, these Spanish people are designers. They're really obsessed. Over yeah. there in Spain, they got some crazy-looking labels. Yeah. I'll have to... Uh, I always like looking at the sort of like the best of wine labels. When are you going to design a wine label? When somebody asks me who's awesome. Or, well, some, somebody asked me anybody... When somebody not uncool asks me, who's mm -hmm. an independent winery, to make them a label, yeah. I will, I will help them make a label. Well, they should go to uh, winefolly.com and contact you. Uh, <laughs> or just find me on Twitter, whatever. Yeah, yeah, or the Twitters. It's all it's all wine folly, right? Yeah, it's yeah. all the same consistent thing across all channels. Well, Madeline, thanks for letting me uh, hang out at Wine Folly Worldwide Headquarters, and we've got birds chirping and we're drinking rosé. Um, I think what we talked about is uh, encouraging for people, just find out what you like. Do you like bold reds? Do you like lively whites? And just start there and explore that category. Or your idea of uh, just get nine wines, one from each category, and sort of yeah. start getting to understand what you like and what you don't like. And yeah. um, that's a great thing to do it. And I think wine is all about what we're doing right now is uh, sitting on a picnic table and drinking rosé and Riesling and um, looking at graphic design and um, listening to birds chirp and getting attacked by crows. <laughs> so thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you.